0: Now stand for the reading of God's Word. Our passage is Isaiah chapter 35. It's page 637 in your red pew Bibles. If you didn't bring a Bible of your own, should be a, a pew Bible that looks like this. If you want to hunt one of those up, turn to page 637. Again, Isaiah chapter 35, beginning at verse 1. We like for everybody to be able to see the passage as it's being preached. Isaiah 35, page 637.
1: In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds, papyrus will grow. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sarah. Would you pray with me once more as we come to God's word? Let's pray together. Father, as we come to your word today, we pause and still our hearts, remembering the passage that we saw last week, the vision of your word and your spirit bringing life to dead bones, bringing life to that which is dry and hopeless. Lord, we need that kind of renewal this morning. We need that kind of renewal daily. Because, Lord, so easily our hearts are lured away. We are prone to forget. Forget who you are. Forget the reality and the significance of what you have done. Lord, to begin to live our lives as if what we can see is the only reality. But we need the awakening of your Holy Spirit to bring our hearts and our minds back into a place of truth and life and vitality. Lord, would you come and work upon us by your Spirit through the power of your Word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, So kids, I got a question for you this morning. Does anybody know what this is right here? A basketball? This is not a basketball goal. I couldn't fit a basketball goal in here. What is this? It's an instruction manual on how to build a basketball goal. So I don't know how you spent your Christmas, but I spent my Christmas putting stuff like this together. Do y'all have to do this? Did y'all get any presents for your kids where you were wondering, what was I thinking? Where you're spending hours trying to build like this. Uh, okay, the boys got a new basketball goal. It comes in a million pieces. It doesn't come as a basketball goal. And you know, you open up that box, if you've ever had that experience, and you buy something like that, you open up that box, and it's an overwhelming feeling, right? I mean, you open up that box, and you're like, nothing in here looks like a basketball goal. There's like bolts and washers and all of this stuff. I wish I was a super handy guy, but that's a little overwhelming. I'm like, this is going to take forever. It comes in all these tiny little pieces, and somehow, somehow you've got to make that into a basketball goal. And it can be tempting to just kind of dive right in. That's what my kids want to do, right? Well, let's just start building this thing. And you just want to bypass one of these right here, right? But what you got to do (laughs) after you put it together wrong and you got to take it all back apart, you got to say, oh, well, maybe there's some purpose in this thing right here. You got to have one of these things, right? This is your guide. You miss this thing, it's going to be rough. But what I love about these little instruction manuals is what does it start off with here? What does it show you? You open it up, you get ready to go, and it gives you a picture right here of the finished product. Because that's where you've got to start. I mean, you turn this page and it's like bolts. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh gosh, this is going to take a while. But where does it start? It wants you to see a picture of where you're going. It's a vision. That's what a vision is. A vision is having a picture for where you're headed. So that whenever it gets hard and you're buried under a million pieces and it's not looking anything like a basketball goal, you remember to yourself, oh, I know where we're going. I know what this thing is supposed to look like. I know the basic contours. You know, I'm going to go through these steps. But having that vision to the end is what is going to compel me forward through all of the hard times. That's how a vision works in your life. You've got to have a vision. You've got to know where you're going. You've got to know the story that you're a part of. You see that's why we always as a church we take these times where we 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 go back and we re, we remember and we renew our vision as a church. What are we here for? Where are we headed? What do we exist for? Because here's a tendency, both as an individual Christian and as a church, the tendency is to forget the vision, to forget the vision that God lays out in scripture to Forget the the larger purpose that God has called us to. To forget where God has said he is moving all things. And so this tendency is to forget that. And when we forget and we don't have that kind of vision of where we're headed, you know what begins to happen? We start to reduce our life. We start to reduce the Christian life down to our own individual interests. It's the easiest thing that happens in the world. Especially in a culture... That is constantly telling us and showing us that the meaning of life is maximizing individual happiness. That is the message of our culture. And we are breathing it in Monday through Saturday. So we come together on Sunday to be reminded, oh wait a minute, that's a lie. That vision for your life will actually ruin your life. So we got to have vision. So that we know, wait a minute, we're made for something bigger than ourselves. We're called to a larger story that we become a part of whenever we are united to Christ. We enter into this story where we become a part of what God is doing in the world. and He's moving all things towards this end. And you know, not only is it critical for us as individual Christians, it is critical for a church. Because when a church loses its centering on vision... The vision of the kingdom of God and God's larger purposes. You know what begins to happen? A church begins to live for itself. And when that begins to happen, it's tragic. But it happens so easily. So as we come to our passage today and we're continuing in this vision, we're going to see that we are called into a much larger purpose for our lives. That we become a part of what God is doing in the world and... Uh, For us, that means that our vision is to participate in that mission, in that vision here where God has called us to live in Dade County and in all the communities and workplaces that he has put us. So We'll see that vision of uh, of what we're called into in our passage today. So let me just start with, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but just reminding you of our vision as a church. Now, uh... My hope would be that this is something that not only you just hear occasionally and like, okay, that's just a bunch of words, I don't know what it means. But that rather this would be something, not just words on a page, but it would be something that really we begin to know. And We begin to know by heart that it's something that keeps calling us back to this true north that we're called to. So here's our vision as a church. Our vision is to seek the renewal of all things in Dade County and all the places where you live, work, and do life. Now, not all of us live in Day County. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm not a part of this vision. No, no. It's all the places that God puts us. Because remember, we are the church. And so all those places where he carries us in life, our vision is to seek the renewal of all things in those places through Jesus. Now let me just flesh that out a little bit and put a little put a little meat on it. What does that mean? What does it mean to seek the renewal of all things? Well... Fundamentally, we believe that the Scripture teaches over and over that God, through Jesus, is making all things new in this world. That's a different vision than what sometimes the church gets off on in thinking that our vision is one day we're going to get beamed up to heaven. Right? And to leave this world, and this world's just kind of going down the tubes. But actually, Scripture gives us this picture of God renewing creation. That God's kingdom is coming into this world. After all, that's what Jesus told us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the place that God's bringing his kingdom. And God is, through the work of Jesus, through his death and resurrection, reconciling all things to himself, bringing about the renewal of all of creation. That is a huge vision. That gives a lot of purpose to things like our work that we just sang about but it tells us fundamentally that everywhere I go in life is a place that God is at work that means Monday through Saturday God is at work in my life in my workplace now some of our workplaces are really tough places it doesn't feel like a place that God is at work renewing all things but you see what a hope that I come into here and I have a purpose in my workplace That God is at work here In, in our schools, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, everywhere that we go. That God, through Jesus, is renewing, bringing life, bringing transformation in all of those places. So it means God's at work everywhere I go. There's a big tendency in the Bible Belt to think that God's realm and spiritual things happen on Sunday. So on Sunday, I get religious, And then I go Monday into my work, and I'll pick it back up next Sunday. And God doesn't have anything to do with my work and with my ball games that I'm going to and my my classroom and all that stuff. But that's just not true. God is at work everywhere that He carries us. God is at work renewing all things through the power of Jesus. But it also tells us something else, this vision. It tells us that as a church, we do not exist for ourselves. But we exist for the good and the flourishing of the community that God has put us in. And that is critical. We are not here for ourselves. We are not doing all of this. We don't exist as a church to build like a great church and a great brand. Our goal is the flourishing of the community around us. And if we lose sight of that, it becomes tragic. And it's easy to do so. So what is this? What would it look like to seek the renewal of all things? What does renewal look like? Let me just flesh it out for a minute. Because we need to, you know, with a vision, you've got to kind of, you've got to begin to imagine what this thing is going to look like, like that picture of the basketball goal. You've got to imagine, okay, what would renewal look like here in Dade County? What would it look like if God's Spirit began working throughout this county and throughout all the places where we are, bringing renewal? What would it look like? Let me just suggest a few ideas and kind of paint a little bit of a picture. I'll tell you what it would look like. It would look like a community that's becoming more kind. It would become a community where people are looking out for one another. It would be a community where schools are flourishing. Where schools are a place that that children are safe and they're, they're being taught and they're growing and flourishing. It would be a community where families are strong. Where that would be a priority for everyone, whether you're married or single or whatever, that, that families would be such an important part of the fabric of life. that It would be a place where, where marriages are thriving, where marriage is so important, but yet also where single people find purpose and, and there's not loneliness for them and they find tremendous purpose and, and even uh, relationships uh, with families and with one another. It would look like a community that's becoming safer. You know, we would expect crime rates to be going down. We would expect for businesses to be flourishing and those businesses not just to be uh, functioning for their own benefit, but they would say, how can we serve uh, the entire business community? How can we work together? How can we create more jobs? It would be a community where people are rising up out of poverty, where people are not just finding their basic needs met. And By the way, in Dade County, there's a tremendous amount of poverty, tremendous amount. But renewal would look like people not just finding those basic needs being met, but they would actually be growing in their orientation to work. They would be finding opportunities. They would be finding meaningful work where they would have purpose and they would be moving to a place not just where they didn't have those basic needs they couldn't meet, but they would actually be at a place where they could help and serve other people. That would be a picture of this. It would be a community where our leaders, our government leaders, I mean, imagine this, where they get in office and their whole desire would be for the work and the flourishing of those that they're calling to serve. They wouldn't be all caught up in getting re-elected or saying one thing and doing another. No, they would be fully giving themselves, even at cost of themselves, at what would benefit the community. You see, that's just a quick sketch of this, but that's what renewal looks like. Transformation. And so, when a church finds itself, wherever it finds itself, it needs to be saying, Okay, I know how this looks. God's at work renewing all things through Jesus. So, how can I participate in that? How can we as a church work for the flourishing of the community that we're in? Some of you might remember Ted Strawbridge, who was a part of our church for a while, and Ted had come here uh, to the Chattanooga area, and he was working with a church planting movement in our region. He actually got this movement started. And you know, Ted, you know, he, he would preach for us some, and it was, always, it, was, it was always going to be entertaining, right? But I remember something that Ted would always say as he was out communicating this vision for church planting. He would always say this, you know, in Chattanooga, it is the, many, many statistics will say this, that Chattanooga is the most churched city in the United States per capita. That's kind of stunning to think about. But he, he said, you know, at the same time, though, there's something very strange. Even though it's the most church city in America, it's got the highest crime rate per capita of almost any city in the United States. The public schools in Hamilton County and greater Chattanooga area are the lowest in the state of Tennessee the divorce rate is the exact same as the divorce rate we find in all the other places and so he would always just raise this question is something not connecting here how can the most church city in the United States have a community that is not being impacted and renewed there's a problem here and he's right he's right If we look and we see that churches are not renewing their communities, are not giving their lives away, are not saying, I'm not here to have a bigger building. We're not here to have nicer facilities or greater programs. We are here to give our lives away for the community. If a church is not doing that, there is something wrong. You know, I get to work with our presbytery for church planting in our region, and I get to go around and meet with folks throughout this area and actually raise funds for church planting and you know I get to sit with donors and I get to say with them hey we're starting a church planting movement we're trying to plant 20 churches in 10 years and they look at me like why would you do that we don't need any more churches and you dig a little bit deeper in that and what you find is that most people's impression of churches is that churches care about themselves And so they're like, we don't need more of that. And then I continue on and I say, well, what if the kind of churches that we're planting are churches that are committed to two fundamental objectives? Reaching the lost and renewing their communities. What if those are the kind of churches we're planting and they say, I'm in. I want to give sacrificially to that. You see how easily that disconnect happens. Both in us as individual Christians and in us as churches. When we lose sight of this vision that, oh, wait a minute, we're to be a blessing to the nations. That's what it means to be the children of Abraham, that we're to be salt and light in a world of darkness and decay. That's who we are. It's our identity. But when we lose sight of that, that we're a part of something larger, a larger story, that God is renewing all things through Jesus. When we forget that our Christianity comes down to our own personal comfort in life. And that's a tragedy. So we need constant renewal. We're called to renew. But one of the things that we saw last week in our passage this week, we're going to look at it again, we're going to talk about this a lot, is that what you see in Scripture is that God does not renew a place, a community, a city, without first renewing His people. And that is the fundamental reality. We cannot bring about the renewal of anything Unless we ourselves are experiencing renewal personally. God's got to renew us. God's got to first renew his people before we're ever going to be agents of renewal in the world around us. And that's what we see in our passage. We come to this passage. I just want to look at this picture of renewal. Now, this is uh, in Isaiah. You see this throughout the prophets. The prophets were writing to God's people when Israel was in exile. So we talked about this last week, that you see this pattern occurring throughout Scripture. It's actually a pattern that occurs throughout church history, and it's a pattern that you might notice in your own life, is that there's this constant uh, tendency for God's people to move from a place of spiritual life and vitality into decline, into dryness, into running after the things of this world and their faith becoming stagnant and cold and... and. Uh, Uh, filling their hearts with idols. It's just like a tendency in all of our hearts. You see it in Israel's history. You know, they'd have these kind of high moments where they're close to God and they're living out their calling in the world. And then before you know it, they just start to drift away. And so there's this cycle of decline. And then they call out to God with great desperation. God, come and renew us. And God pours out His Spirit upon His people and He renews them. There is new life and new vitality and new spiritual power. And then the cycle continues again. And there's new need for renewal in their life. And so the the prophets are writing at a time when God's people were in desperate need of renewal. They had been in the land of Israel. They had run after the idols of the nations. They had run to the other nations for protection rather than to God. They had neglected God's law. They were oppressing the poor. And so, after the persistence of this for years and years and years, God exiles his people to Babylon. And then the prophets are writing to them in exile. So, they're in a terrible situation. And he's, they're writing to them and they're holding out this hope of renewal. They're trying to call on them in the place of exile to say, Hope in God's renewal, seek his renewal. He will come and renew you, he will revive your hearts. And so that's what we see is a picture here where Isaiah is inviting them to put their hope in God's renewal. Now, as we look at this picture, it's, you know, the prophets are are incredibly poetic, and they do that as a way of grabbing our hearts. So can I just invite you, let this awaken a desire in your heart. Let this grab your heart and begin to say, what would this look like in us? if this were to come to our hearts and into our community. And so he's using the metaphor here of a dry desert bursting forth into life. And it's a very powerful picture. And Now, it's a metaphorical picture of the spiritual reality of God's people because their hearts are dry. They're distant to God. They're without hope. They're just kind of spiritually flat and dead. Now, maybe some of us find ourselves in that place today. But that's where Israel was. And so just take in this picture of renewal. Look what he says in verse 1, chapter 35, verse 1. The desert and the parched land will be glad. A place where there is no life, where you cannot survive. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. So right off the bat, we see this arid desert landscape bursting into bloom, turning into an oasis, turning into, when you finish the vision, it's like a rainforest. It's just this absolute transformation. And one of the things that we know right off the bat is that it's joy. That is flowing out of the hearts of their people. He continues, "The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands and steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, "Be strong, do not hear, do not fear. your God will come." Now that's kind of the spiritual reality of them. They were feeble. They had, their, their faith was so weak. They had lost hope. And so he's saying, listen, take strength in the promise of the Lord. Strengthen those feeble knees. God is going to come and renew you. Verse 3. Now he begins to talk about the impact of this renewal. And he begins to talk about how it's like physical transformation, like blind being able to see and deaf being able to hear. Again, he's talking about... This renewal that happens in the hearts of his people where they're spiritually coming alive. Look at what he says. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. So they're they spiritually blind. They cannot see the reality of God. The realities of the world are so much more real than the realities of who God is. Can you identify with that? They're they're deaf spiritually. They can hear God's word. But they're not able to respond to it. It goes in one ear and out the other, as parents like to say. It's having no impact. They're in church. They're doing religious things, but they're going through the motions. They can't see the reality of God. They cannot hear His Word with any effect on the heart. But God's renewal is opening the eyes of the blind. It's unstopping the ears where they're hearing God's Word and it's hitting their heart. Then will the lame leap like a deer, what a picture, of someone spiritually lame, like just unable to really follow God in any vital way, but yet this renewal brings about a leaping, you know, this, this freedom, I mean, it's kind of the image of being set free from bondage. Now, we, we know a little bit about that, right? I mean, that is the nature of sin. I mean, all of us have places in our life, places of indwelling sin. Sometimes, sometimes we're in this place where we're compromising our conscience, and we're just in a place where we're unable to respond to what God's called us to do. But this renewal is like a—it's like a setting free, like a leaping, like a deer with great joy. And then water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. Now, that's quite an image. You're going from this hot, dry desert to a flowing river in the desert. Now, that is a very common image in the prophets. And always that image is a metaphor for God's spirit. Just look a few, a few chapters ahead. Here's what he says in chapter 44. Again, this same kind of idea of renewal. Here's what he says, chapter 44, uh, verse 3. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land. Again, the reality of their hearts, dry and dead. But I'm going to pour out water on it. And streams on the dry ground. What's he talking about here? What is this water? Next verse. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. The water that he pours out is his spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. When he pours it out like water, just like water flowing into a dead, arid, arid place, what happens? Life begins to burst. You know, the Grass begins to flourish in a meadow. Poplar trees are coming up by a stream. This is the picture of what happens when God pours out His Spirit. It awakens us. It brings us to spiritual vitality. And all the time, whenever God brings renewal on His people or revival, I mean, there's all these different words for it in Scripture. Awakening, all these different things. Restoration, revitalization. It's all talking about the same thing. God pours out His Spirit, His life-giving Spirit, and it awakens His people so that the reality of God becomes real upon the heart. So that oftentimes whenever God brings renewal, there is deep conviction of sin. There is an opening of the eyes of our true spiritual condition. Oftentimes it brings deep conviction. It brings repentance, but also at the same time, tremendous assurance. I mean, in God's renewal, the reality of God's love and His grace and the work of the gospel becomes heightened in our hearts. It becomes real to the heart uh, Prayer overflows, uh, joy overflows. All of these are marks of the renewing work of God's Spirit. Now God does this throughout Scripture. We also see it happening throughout history. You know, we can look back on church history, and you can see throughout church history these seasons where God pours out his spirit and brings about renewal. You know, one of the most famous is the Great Awakening that took place in the American colonies in the 1730s. I don't know if you ever heard of this. It's, it's just tremendous, but uh, it, it was a period in time whenever uh, the church in the early colonies was really dead. I mean, a lot of people that wrote at the time, they would talk about pastors that would write about this at the time. Jonathan Edwards was one of the, the most prominent writers about this experience, and they said, you know, at the time, really the churches were flat and dead. They were kind of lifeless, and most people were far more concerned about their lands and their properties and affluence and all this stuff than they were the things of the Lord. But in the 1730s, something began to happen. Just out of the blue, God began to pour out His Spirit. And one of the early marks of that is that young people started being converted. They started leading their parents to Christ. And they talked about the effects that this began to have as... as Awakening was sweeping throughout the colonies. It began to have a tremendous effect on the, on the cities and the towns and the communities. They said, uh, in one description, they said, you know, in some of these towns, businesses were being neglected because business owners and merchants were coming together to just pray and talk about scripture. Can you imagine that? People neglecting their business because they were so taken up with spiritual things. I mean, a, what a mark. <laughs> What a mark of the work of God. They said you could walk through towns and you could hear the singing of hymns in homes. Now, that's almost unimaginable, right? I mean, it's, it's hard to get us to sing during a worship service, right? I mean, it, not because it was duty. It wasn't the preachers weren't saying, hey, y'all need to be read, singing hymns at homes. And they're like, oh, gosh, okay. No, it wasn't duty. It was joy and delight. What had happened? God had brought awakening to the hearts of his people. And revival swept across this nation. Uh, There's been so many other revivals in history. And in 1907, there was a a, a revival in Pyongyang, Korea. Where in the matter of a couple years, Korea went from 0% Christian to about 20% Christian. I mean, just crazy revival sweeping the country. Uh, Right now, in the world, we're we're just kind of on the tail end of probably the most unprecedented revival in all of history in the nation of China. I mean, it's just been tremendous what's happened in China in the past 50 years. The the way that the church has grown, even in the face of tremendous persecution, and even today in Iran, in Iran, there's revival taking place in Iran today where the church is growing at 17% a year. Now, how's that happening? Because people are like, come on, we got to do it. we got to get fired up. No. What's happening? God's pouring out His Spirit. It's a work of God. See, renewal is a work of God. Now, why do I share all of that? Why, why the history lesson? Because I want us to see God does things in our world. It was easy for us in our culture as as secure and as comfortable and affluent as we are in this world to forget that God is at work and that God loves to bring renewal. He loves to awaken His people. He loves to pour out His Spirit. And He loves to do it in response to the prayers of His people. You know, we see over and over in the prophets, they keep saying things like, you know, if you will seek Him, with all of your heart, you will find him. If we will turn from our sin and we will humble ourselves and we will call upon him and we will repent and turn from our wicked ways, God will pour out his spirit and he will heal our land. Second Chronicles 7, we hear that verse a lot. It's not talking about America. It's talking about the church. If we will seek him in renewal... He will pour out His Spirit. He will renew us and our world. Well, I think it brings up a great question that we all got to wrestle with. I've been wrestling with this. Do we want that? It's a good question to ask yourself. Do I really want that? And be honest. Do I want God to renew me? Do I want Him to turn my life upside down? Do I want Him... To show himself in a more deep and real way to my heart. Do I want that? Or do I want status quo? Do I want comfortable. Let me go through the motions. Let me get my fire insurance. And let me just live my life. Which one do we want? I mean we got to face that question. But you know the hope is. We can say God. Even if we don't want it. Would you give me this desire? We can even pray for the desire for renewal. But what would happen? What would happen if we began corporately coming together and saying, God knew us, pour out your spirit? What would happen? Let me just stop there and give us a few minutes to discuss and interact. How does it strike you? Uh, What questions does it rise? How does it scare you? A little scary, right? Don't like my life to be disrupted. So what's happening in you as we think about renewal and the moving of God's Spirit on His people. And we can just be tw- quiet for 20 minutes is fine too. I think it's exciting. and It's good to remember that God is at work even if we can't always see it. Um. I appreciate the, the history lesson, and it's good to get outside of ourselves and remember how God's worked in the church in the past and how He's working in it presently. Um, and it's an important question at the end that you asked, right? What do we really want, and how can we align our desires with God's desires? Um, and just thinking about kind of connecting with that at the beginning, you're talking about how prayer um, precedes revival. Mm hmm. And even in Jesus' prayer, which you mentioned earlier, right? He is praying for even Jesus, who is God, right? He's praying for the kingdom to come to earth. Yes. And so if he's praying, we better be praying. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, a lot of times in, in the cycle, you see it in the book of Acts too, but usually there is some upheaval that happens, which drives God's people to desperate dependent prayer, in which God responds with a pouring out of His Spirit. It happens in Acts 4, and the upheaval is persecution. Persecution breaks out in the church, and they come together, and they're praying for God, and it's amazing in their prayer, they're not actually praying for protection. And that just strikes me because when I think about our prayers, it's usually about like protection. Now, protection's not a bad thing. But, you know, what you pray about most reveals really where your heart is. You know what they were praying for? They were not praying, Lord, keep us safe, all those kind of things that we pray incessantly. They were praying, give us boldness to preach your gospel. Whoa. Imagine that. And you know what God did? You go back and read it in Acts Four, he pours out his spirit, and literally the place where they're meeting is shaking. And they begin declaring the gospel boldly. I mean, it's, it's an amazing picture. But that, that pattern we see repeated. Sometimes you got to have some upheaval to disrupt your life and the status quo. But then you got to go to the Lord and say, God, we need you to come. And um, I thought... That COVID was going to do this, but it hasn't. And, I, and I'm, I'm, as I talk to other pastors and everything, and as I read, you know, it's not happened. It's not happened. I just think we have a high tolerance for pain. Like it hasn't disrupted us enough. I think maybe if more people were dying, we would see that. But it's an opportunity still. I mean, the whole all of life has been disrupted. It's an opportunity to say, "Wait a minute! Everything's going crazy in our world. What if we just come together and ask God to show up and bring revival?"
2: Earlier in the sermon, you said, "You know, we're we're really good about praying out of desperation," and um, it made me wonder what our lives would look like if we did pray out of the desire for renewal, yeah, more than out of the Desire out, or out of desperation. Yeah, um, and I think a large part of that is praise. You know, frequently when we pray, and I'm very guilty about this. You know, I'll start praying, and I'm immediately just bringing my issues, my problems, before the Lord, and um, not spending enough time in that praise moment mm-hmm. and praising Him for things and yeah. um, and what He is going to do. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about people singing hymns and homes. Well. I do. We do. Uh, In our family, just because we like music. And um, sometimes if I'm really having a tough time and I'm having that sense of desperation, I will just sit down and and sing praise hymns. Mm -hmm. Um, And it always amazes me the sense of revival or renewal that I feel when that happens. But I thought, I'm going to have to really work hard to start praying more out of a out of a desire for renewal, yeah. and not out of a sense, just a sense of desperation. I mean, it's not that right. bad to pray yeah. when you're in those times, but I, yeah. I thought, you know, how would it look so much different yeah. if, if that became a regular part of, yeah. of my prayer life?
0: Absolutely. And even if we got desperate about renewal, you know, yeah, that's good.
3: Hi. Uh, I appreciate your history lesson of referring to China in particular. I spent a number of years there in the mission field, and I saw this, what you're talking about, you know, come to life. Yeah. And the bones did come to life. Yeah. There, and it's a really good experience. And uh, I I appreciate um, the Chinese people and other nations in the world who are Um, suffering under different conditions. We have it too good here. Yeah. We have it just too good. We become complacent. Right. And sometimes we just don't care. Yeah. You know, we got it made for our lives and that's good enough. But other people in the world are suffering. Another thing I wanted to point out is uh, in the book of Isaiah, the name Isaiah itself is of significance to me. Because it means God is salvation. Mm. I've worked with the um, Arabic um, population, a group of young teen boys in, from Qatar I came here and I and taught them English. Mm. And um, in Isaiah, the uh, name Isa is the name of Jesus in Arabic. Mm. God is there. It's just you yeah. need to bring it out, let yes. people know that. Oh, we care.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I, I do find that we, we really need the church, uh, the persecuted church, and their stories to awaken us. Because, you know, their challenge is, you know, the suffering, physical suffering. But they have spiritual power. They got the power. We've got, you know, the comfort but very little spiritual power. So we, we need them. They need us, and we need them. And when we, especially if we, when you have an opportunity, like to go to the mission field, or you always have this, you encounter the vision very tangibly, because you say, oh my gosh, look, God is at work throughout the world. And oftentimes we see that he's at work very powerfully in those places, where maybe in America we're just, we're seeing more of just a, nominalism, just kind of going through the motions, you know. So we need that awakening just as we come in contact with their reality and we see their power. I want, my, one of my favorite stories, just real quick, was uh, one of my mentors was in India and he was preaching and, um, at a church, an underground church in India, and the authorities bust in the back door. And they're hauling all this stuff in Hindi And he looks over at the pastor of the church who was translating for him and he said, What are they saying? And he said, They're telling you to stop preaching. And he said, What should I do? And the guy looked at him like, What? He said, My my Bible tells me what we should do when we're told to stop preaching. Does yours? And he was just struck with repentance in the moment, and he said, You are normal as a Christian. We're abnormal. We need you. And I just love that story because it's just so where my heart's at. You know, and it's just kind of the, the weakness, the weak knees of our spiritual condition. And yet when we encounter these believers in those places, we see great spiritual power.
4: So, um, you know, really exciting message and vision, right? And I think... Like you were saying, we start. <clears throat> excuse me. We start that, you know, by prayer and through the Bible, right? The church is focusing on getting in the Word and, and praying more, and that all comes from the Holy Spirit. Even the conviction yep. to want to do that. Um, but so say, you know, we're we're reading the Bible and we're praying, you know, in in hopes of this revival, or you know, even may have even started to see some of that in our own lives. And we know the end vision of what that looks like, you know, for Dade County specifically, or, yeah. or even Trenton, Georgia. But what's in the middle? Like, if we're praying for that, and faithfully, and we're reading the Bible faithfully, uh, what, do, what do some of those next steps, you know, look like? Or, or what could we expect to see, right? To be reminded that, oh, you know, we're, we're actually seeing the beginning of this. Like, what does that middle yeah. look like?
0: yeah. So I think it, it looks like the ordinary renewal of the Holy Spirit that's happening. Like, if, if, if any of us in here say, okay, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired spiritually. I, I'm fed up with where I'm at. And I want to grow spiritually. I, I want my life to change. And so, God, I'm going to seek your face. And I am not just like... Today, one time. You know, I'm going to seek your face. And seeking of the face is like what Carrie's talking about, not just seeking his hand, like show up and do this in my life, but like to seek his face is like I'm seeking intimacy with you, God, because that's face, that's relational, that's smile, encounter. And and if we were to do that, and so I I'm going to immerse myself in God's Word, I'm going to pray, I'm going to seek God's face, I'm going to get in community. I'm going to make the means of grace a priority in my life. You will experience personal renewal. Whether or not renewal breaks out in some of these really historic ways, or maybe even partially in that way, whether or not that happens, like we will experience renewal personally. And so renewal is something that we should be seeking to experience continually as believers. So, it's a way of saying we're going to grow spiritually. We're going to find more joy in the love of Jesus. Like, the love of Jesus will become real. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit is not to, like, do cool tricks. The work of the Holy Spirit is to lift up Jesus in the heart. To exalt Jesus. That's his ultimate goal. To take the work of Jesus and bring it home and apply it to the heart. To bring conviction of sin, assurance of salvation, bring vitality, all of those things. And so these revivals or large-scale renewals are like an intensification of the ordinary work of the Holy Spirit. The ordinary work of the Holy Spirit is like, if you seek Him, you're going to find Him. And you will experience renewal. And so that's the in-between. Whether or not whatever happens here, like we get to experience it personally. And it just means more joy and freedom and Anybody else? Okay, let's pray. Father, we <clears throat> I think if we're honest, if I'm honest, we'll start there. Uh, there are parts of me that is pretty comfortable in the status quo. And Lord, I confess that. I confess not wanting more of you, but I pray, knowing your heart and loving to revive your people, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon each of our hearts and that we would begin to experience this hunger for God growing in our hearts, Uh, a hunger to see you move in our lives, a hunger to see that harvest of people being saved, a hunger to experience more freedom in our life, being set free from the besetting sins of our life, being uh, finding more joy in Jesus, finding uh, the realness of your presence in our life. Lord, come and bring renewal to each of our hearts. Bring renewal to us as a church, and let us be a church that is seeking your renewal on behalf of our neighbors and our community. Lord, we long for your glory to come. So would you come and do that? For your name's sake in us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.